if I was the last person on earth, would I still want to create the thing that I'm creating? And hopefully the answer is yes, because I'm passionate about it, because I'm connected to it, um, because I want to make it. And if nobody saw your work, would you still feel proud of it? So I've really just kind of gone it, gone at it through like that scope, thinking and reevaluating why am I making this thing? That's helped my approach a little bit more. Thanks for coming. Dude, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited. Yeah, man. I'm excited to um, just chat with you. I think this is, you know, we've had a lot of, not a lot, but we've had some chats about some pretty deep things. Yeah. Church, gear, life. Creativity in general. Yeah, creativity in general. Um, a lot off air over the last, you know, couple of years. But, um, but yeah, I'm excited to dive into it. And like, this is such a different format. Yeah. Because it feels a little bit more like, it's like when you're just like talking at like coffee or whatever, or like at, at Chipotle, you know what I mean? There's a little bit more, I feel more pressure right now. Yeah. It's, I feel like I can't mess up with what I say. <laughs> it's it's really weird. It's it's such a weird feeling. And and I, I can attest that like, this is the, this will be the 10th one. Cool. After 10, that feeling hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's something about I don't know if it's because it, it's not the cameras because we're familiar with cameras I, I don't think it's the microphones but there's just there's some type of like maybe it's part of what I've been thinking about maybe it has to do with how we see other podcasts or like videos on YouTube or whatever presented and yeah. so there's like an almost like an expectation yeah but but at the same time the ones that I find and that I relate to the most are the ones that are the most just conversational. Yeah, no, I think that's actually why I am okay with doing this. Cause I hate being in front of the camera. <laughs> so being able to just like sit down and chat with you, which we've done a ton of different times. Yeah. I feel like that'll help me get through this episode a lot yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to ignore that. I hate being on camera. <laughs> and so I'm excited to just like chat a little bit and I'm just, I'm glad that it's just a conversation and nothing yeah. too serious or too crazy. <laughs> well, if it's comforting, every person I've asked to come on, almost every person has has said very similar. Like, yeah. oh, even people who you wouldn't expect are just like, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure how great I'll do. Or right, we all have like that insecurity of yeah. like, you know, are we going to be able to like perform or like say the right things? Also, because again, that with the medium of like podcasting, and now it's it's not just podcasts anymore. It's also video podcasts. Yeah. So it's like, and then you, everybody knows that that's going to be turned into a reel. And so it's yep. like, am I saying the right thing so that it can be chopped up for a reel? <laughs> Is it and cool so enough? It's like, there's just this weird, you know, expectation that, um, that we can just throw out. Yeah. Cool. And I'm I, and, glad. And I'm still working on throwing it out myself. So I don't want yeah. you to think that it's like, but I feel like everybody, myself included over the last 10 episodes has, express the same exact feeling. No, that's good to hear. That is good. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited just to chat a little bit and not worry too much about the camera in front. So <laughs> just, don't, just look at me. I just, I'll just look at you the whole time. So, um, sweet. So yeah, man. Well, there's a lot that we could talk about. Um, there's a lot that I want to talk about. Cool. Let's jump in. Um, really the first thing that I think would be cool to maybe have a jumping off point would be almost like starting at the end. So like I did this a couple episodes ago, but like just this concept of like, what are you doing? Where are you at right now? Okay. What's like, you know, life look like, what does like creative work look like? And, and then we'll, once we have like a, an end point, yep. we'll go back and try yeah. and find the journey. And then we'll also like jump into the future and stuff cool. at some point too. But sweet. Yeah. I mean, right now I just started a production company with Josh, mm -hmm. um, Josh, Josh. called passenger. <laughs> and, uh, we're just here to do commercial work for businesses in KC. Um, we really wanted to be able to tell the story of Kansas city businesses and show them off in a creative, clever way. 
um, and really utilize it as a time to build relationships with people. Mm. Um, it's just kind of been our thought of the relationships that we build is more valuable than the clients we take on. And so it's kind of been my goal and Josh's goal to really just build those relationships and build like a good family based system and, um, an idea to connect with people and then show off their brand. I mean, you know, this. like, there's so many different businesses in KC that it, it's local people who are running the businesses mm. and they do such a good job at it yep. and their story needs to be told. And that's yep. what we've wanted to do. Yep. So right now we're just taking on uh, client work uh, here in KC, filming commercials for people. Um, and so that's what we're doing right now. And it's been super cool and I've enjoyed every moment of it. And mm. um, it's just cool to connect with people. And I love being able to tell a story. Yeah. So that's like the, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did, how did all that come about? I know you and Josh have talked about doing something like this for years, Yeah, you know, like, like why now, how did it finally come into like culmination? Like how, you know, how did it finally culminate at this point in time? Yeah. Josh has always been so good at like encouraging me. He's wanted me to do this years ago Mm -hmm. and I have always kind of deflected it and not wanted to do it. Um, I think that just comes down to a lack of feeling confident to be able to do the job. Mm. Um, I think I still wrestle with that a long time. And I think a lot of different creative people do too, where they feel this sense of imposter syndrome, Mm. um, not feeling qualified to do the work that they want to do. And so, um, eventually I think finally just like push came to shove and I finally, I was like, you know what? I just want to do it. Let's try it. Let's take a gamble. Um, and that's actually been a really good thing for me to do. Thankfully I've had Josh to like help me and encourage me. And he's been such a great, like, uh, partner (laughs) in helping me at that. And so, um, yeah, honestly, I think just kind of, I took the leap just because I asked the question of like, why not, you know, um, I'm getting older and I mean, I'm still young, but (laughs) with that, I've realized like I've been working for other people my whole entire life. And I think I really want to be able to, um, share the vision that I want to bring to the table and show off the work that I can do for other people, um, and do it in a way that is different and, um, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if there wasn't necessarily like one particular thing that happened. I think it was just a culmination of events over and over and over again of having conversations with people, talking with different businesses, um, talking with friends and family, really who have encouraged me to take that leap. And I was my biggest worst enemy and holding myself back. And so now here I am like deciding to just jump in and do it. And so I'm glad I'm doing it. It's still kind of scary, like the unknown of the future and uh, having to pay bills and all that. You're like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, how am I going to pay the bills for next month and whatnot? But um, I don't know if I could go back to working like a full-time job Mm. um, in like the corporate world. But yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that answers your question. Maybe it does. No, totally. Well, I, you know, I think the the truth is the imposter syndrome thing is is so real, and uh, it affects a hundred percent of people. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've yet to meet somebody who's never struggled with it. But for you, if you had to like dig deep, where where do you think for you that imposter syndrome comes from? It's a good question. Um, I think I constantly live in a state of comparison with people on social media, the projects they're doing, the clients they're working with, um, and the image that's portrayed online. And I think that's really like dug at me a lot Mm -hmm. to make me think that I'm not qualified to do what other people are doing because I'm spending time comparing the projects that they're taking on. Um, and I think that's kind of the start of it. And so in response to that, I've actually tried to take a hard step back from social media, um, and like stop comparing my work to other people's work. 
Um, and, you know, I don't know. I, I think that's probably the big culprit of it is just seeing what everybody else is doing, living in the state of comparison and always feeling this uh, insecurity of not being good enough in the work that you're doing. And also too, like, I mean, you know, this as, you know, somebody who creates, you look at your work with a microscope and you see all the fine nitty gritty details that went into that work. Whereas other people will just see the finished product. Mm. And when they see the finished product, it's something that's honestly really good. Mm. But you look at it and you say like, Oh, well, I missed this or like I didn't cut it at this time or like the sound design wasn't perfect or I could have colored it better or whatever. Or for a painter, they, they look at something and say, well, I could have used a different type of canvas or I could have, um, you know, done it this way or approached it this way, or it took me X amount of hours to make it. And there's so many different things that people don't see behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and they don't think about, and they see the finished product and they're like, wow, this is great. This is beautiful. I love it. But we are our own worst critics and we just see all of the moving parts that happened to make it. And so I think too, I spend a lot of time looking at my work and just question whether it's even good anymore. And also when you spend so much time on a project, by the end of it, you're almost like kind of over the project. By the time you've like finally hit like publish or send it off to a client, you've seen it over and over and over again that you just feel like, it feels washed out and it doesn't look good anymore. Um, and then you feel like the client's going to feel that way or you feel like your friends are going to feel that way. But when they're looking at it, it's with fresh eyes. Right. Um, so I don't know. I think it really just boils down to like for me, like a heavy sense of insecurity mm. of not feeling worthy enough to make work. And I don't feel like I even like deserve to be in this space when I see what everybody else is doing. Mm. And so my approach to that has been taking a step back trying to cut back on my consumption of social media um, and comparing what other people are doing and really just lean into what I'm wanting to create and reevaluate to why I'm making what I'm making. Um, I've had this thought recently of if nobody else, if I was the last person on earth, would I still want to create the thing that I'm creating? Mm. And Hopefully the answer is yes, because I'm passionate about it because I'm connected to it um, because I want to make it. And if nobody saw your work, would you still feel proud of it? And so I've really just kind of gone it, gone at it through like that scope of like thinking and reevaluating why am I making this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, that's helped my approach a little bit more. That's good. No, it, it's crazy to hear, um, it's crazy to hear you say that you question whether or not you should even be in the space. Yeah. I feel that way every day. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely like, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of people who feel that way. Right. And then like, obviously there's the, you make the choice to, to do it anyway, again, because you love it because yep. you're passionate about it, whatever. But it still is crazy to hear you say that because, because like maybe right now, you know, there's not enough of like the outside notoriety that's like backed up what you're doing to maybe feel. And again, we say that, but there's people who are in Hollywood doing crazy things who still are dealing with insecurity, who yeah. have all the notoriety. Yeah. I mean, so ultimately it comes down to like, are you okay in yourself, you know? Yeah. But still, it's crazy to hear you say that because... Um, Cause your stuff is good. Thank you. <laughs> like, like there's so, and it's not like a, just like a, it's not like a, just like a raw talent thing. Cause there, there is some a level of raw talent, Yeah. but, but there's also a level of like, you actually have been doing it for a while. Just been doing it for a long time. <laughs> just like kind of in private. Truthfully. Yeah. yeah. I am the worst salesman. Um, I, have done a lot of projects and I've worked on a lot of things and I don't necessarily, it feels very uncomfortable for me to share my work. Mm. And that's been something that I'm trying to get to the point where I'm getting over that point. Um, I had this realization probably a few months ago that if I can at least make a project, showcase it, I'm already two steps ahead of 
the person who's still sitting and dreaming. Absolutely. It's so easy for me and maybe for other creatives to wait for things to be absolutely perfect Mm -hmm. and wait to have the right camera or the right scene or the right setting or the right actor um, or the right time in your life to film a project or paint a picture. But I've realized that if I can throw all that away and just make the project that I'm wanting to make, still having some sense of preparation and plan moving forward, but knowing that it's not going to be perfect and just putting it out there and showing that off, I'm already two steps ahead. And it still feels a little uncomfortable for me to share my work just because of that insecurity that I deal with day to day. Um, And that's just me being like completely honest. I mean, I just really struggle with a sense of like insecurity and not feeling capable or worthy of a job or a project or a video. Um, But I'm now just trying to break that mold for myself. And that's really hard to do. Mm. Like it's really hard to get out of that rut that you're in. Um, I haven't mastered it. I haven't figured it out. If somebody else can help me figure that out, that'd be great. Like teach me the way, but um, it's been really difficult to break out of that. So I think just like trying to like put work out there and these things start to snowball. Yeah. The more work that you create, the more confident you become in the work that you're doing. And the first project that you start might start off as like just a little, little project, nothing big. It doesn't feel that special, but now you're equipped to move to the next thing. And then you work on the next project and there's a sense of knowledge and confidence that comes from the last. And you can just build off of, your previous experience and you're not going to be able to build that if you're not actively doing it. Mm -hmm. And so for me that has come down to making projects that I've always wanted to make and not waiting for it to be perfect and then getting it off my desk and realizing, okay, I did it. Now I want to move on to the next thing and make it bigger and better and learn from what I just shot. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, that's a growing process. I think we constantly do that every day as a creative. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, the, the proof of that for you doing that is in a lot of the stuff that you've been putting out recently, like, like the, um, you did the blunt stone. Yep. Like you're not, you're not waiting no. for, for a deal from the actual company. No. Like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get their attention by, just creating work. And I think some people are afraid to do that. Some people yeah. are like, oh, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to just create to create. I don't want to create unless I have the brand deal. Yeah. I don't want to. And it's like, you're not worthy of the brand deal unless you're willing to do that. Yeah. I think you have to be able to take that leap of faith and work hard in what you're wanting to create. Nobody is going to give you the keys to the castle. If you just say, I have this great idea, they want to see something. Mm -hmm. And so creating spec work for me has been the biggest thing that I can do in order to move forward. Whether a a big corporation sees my project or not, I now have done something that I can add to my portfolio Mm -hmm. that I can show off to another client to say like, look what I can do for you. Look at all these different projects that I've shot. Whether they were paid or not, people don't need to know that. They just need to see your work. Yep. And a lot of times we live in like the dream world and spending so much time dreaming about these projects that we would want to do. And I just had to break out of that and just say, what if I actually just did it? Mm-hmm. What if I just shot it? And what if I just get that under my belt? And once you do that, you're able to then have that as a portfolio piece. But also, too, you have the opportunity to then send it to that big corporation and say, hey, look what I shot. You know, would you guys want to work together? And now they have proof of something that you can do. Mm. And there's probably some level of like trustworthiness that comes from that when you're able to actually create a project and make it. Absolutely. Well, and it's also like, it's like, hey, once you get up to like the working with bigger brands, whatever, and, and you know, like for a Blundstone or for a, a Yeti commercial yeah. or whatever, there, it's going to be, you know, a huge production where like everybody's doing specialized things. But, you know, like if you ever got on a set like that, you may be just AC or you may be just, you know, DPing yeah. or you may be just a gaffer, you know what I mean? Like, or a grip, you know what I mean? So it's like there, it can get super specialized and there's like 25 people working on this one commercial. Yeah. But the cool thing with spec work like that is you're able to show like, forget, the huge team 
here's here's what I'm capable of doing by myself. Yeah. And I think that's like almost more impressive because they're like, <laughs> oh, like where did this come? Like whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, this looks like, you know, you know, what production company did you do this with? It's like, uh, I, I did it by myself. Shut with up by my, myself. With an FX3, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Completely by myself, handheld, nothing. Natural light. Na- natural you know? light, everything, yeah. Um, no, I had this conversation with um, my buddy Ryan, who's a director, and he does really big projects um, for huge clients. And me and him just had this conversation about spec work. And spec work is where dreams can actually come to reality because when you start working with a client, clients have restrictions, policies, rules, regulations for projects. And so being able to make a spec job and make that happen, you can make it however you want to make it. Mm. Um, nobody's holding you back from that. And that's really where like the dreams can come to life. Mm. And so I've just gotten into a state of like really heavily encouraging photographers, videographers, cinematographers, filmmakers, whoever it may be to go out and make that spec project because nobody's holding you back from it. Mm. And you don't even need to have like a big budget to do it. The spec projects that I've worked on, I, I mean, no money's gone into it. Mm. It's just been like linking up with friends and saying like, Hey, can you help me shoot this? And they're like, yeah, cool. I mean, um, you know, maybe buy them a beer or something, but like gas money, gas money, something, you know, take them out to lunch or coffee or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, all the projects that I've done that are spec projects, I've put, you know, just time into it, which I understand that time is money, but, um, it's what I'm passionate about. It's what I love and it's what I want to do. And the only way that you're going to get into the industry that you want to get into is by actively trying to do it. Mm. Um, and for me, the best way that I've ever learned something is actively doing it and, being in the field and learning and learning from that experience has grown me so much more than like reading it in a book or watching it on a video. Yeah. Well, the other thing I think that's interesting in, in that is, you know, you mentioned your relationship, um, with your friend at the production company. What was his name again? Ryan. Ryan. Um, and how, I, mean, I remember even having a conversation with you a year ago it had been about a year ago at post and we were talking about, you know, you'd been talking to him about, he had been talking to you about like, bro, you, you need to be charging more for like a day rate. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so talk about the importance of like, whether you would consider him like a mentor or a friend or whatever, but yeah. like the importance of having somebody who you're in relationship with on a semi-regular basis, who's gone where you want to be. Right. Yeah. Like the importance of that kind of relationship. Yeah. I mean, it kind of comes back to that, that, um, I don't know who said it, but that saying of like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I thankfully know Ryan as a friend and he's turned into a mentor and it's been so beneficial to have somebody who's actually in that industry, who's doing high production commercial work, um, at a level that I would love to be at. And just hearing his insight and knowledge and wisdom that he's able to share with me has really just switched how I view, how I do my work. Mm. Um, you know, even just having that conversation about spec work, it just gave me a motivation to just go out and start creating and not worrying about what other people are thinking and what, what's going to happen or how good it's going to look and actively just going out and doing it. So finding somebody who is in the industry that you're wanting to be in is absolutely crucial for you to be able to learn and understand from. And hopefully you can find somebody who cares about you and can see potential in you. And, um, the conversations that I've had with Ryan, he's just been so beneficial and helpful in our conversations because he's been able to kind of tailor my, my talent Mm. and shape it in, and guide me in the steps that I need to take in order to get where I need to be. Because when you don't have a mentor, you can feel a little bit lost. Mm. Um, and mentor, I feel like is this really fancy word. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, it's almost like you feel like having a mentor is like feeling like you have a therapist. (laughs) Um, a mentor, Ryan's just a really good friend and you know, I would call him a mentor 
but it's not like we have scheduled lunches where we meet every day and he like tells me all of the things that he knows. It's more of just conversations that we have. We grab coffee and, you know, we let it kind of the conversation wander. Mm. Um, and that has really just been so motivating for me and super helpful and also giving me that boost of confidence. Mm. And if you can go out in life and try to find somebody who is 10 steps ahead of you, 15 steps ahead of you, then you're already doing something really right in seeking out what they have to say and hearing to hearing what they're wanting to tell you. Mm. I think oftentimes too, we like disregard like, um, older people Mm -hmm. and what they have to say. And we think that what they're, what they've done is like a thing of the past and times have changed and things are different. And what I've come to realize is that things aren't necessarily different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the industry's done, sure, there might have been some tweaks and changes, but the wisdom that people want to share with you is the things that they've learned decade after decade mm-hmm. um, through highs and lows. And so I've just tried to take that time to really like learn from these people who are wanting to speak into my life and help me tailor my taste, tailor my direction, and guide me down the right path in order to accomplish what I'm wanting to accomplish. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. That relationship is, um, invaluable. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I hear a lot of people like talk about how they don't have that relationship yet. And in previous episodes, we've, it's like, it, 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 what's funny is like when we start talking about, you know, leveling up as a creative, it starts with like your perspective and your mindset and, and all of that more than it ever does with even like your craft and your skill. Yeah. Like you do have, but to even be able to get to the place where you can grow more in those things, you still have to, you have to get out of your own way <laughs> mentally. Yeah. I think the best creative people like is you can be the best creative when you can become an observer of life. Hmm. Um, noticing how life works how relationships work, how people accomplish things. When you observe how paintings are made, when you observe how um, choreographers put together a dance, when you observe how a film is made, you can now have a better understanding for what and where you're wanting to go with your work. And so I've just tried to become more of an observer of life and the craft in order to shape my taste, my love for the industry um, and really just like work on being a sponge and soaking in as much as I can. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times, especially too with like social media and I don't want this to be like a me hating on social media, but we just put out work all the time to feed the beast, Mm. to feed this algorithm, to feed people's eyes and Um, A lot of our work can tend to feel lifeless when we do that. When we're just performing for other people, our work tends to have a staleness to it. Um, And so I've really had to like go back to that question of why am I creating? Why do I want to do this? And what are the projects that I want to work on? And there is this level of selfishness with creativity, but it's that thing that is so ingrained and visceral to who you are as a person that you need to focus on to be able to share your voice. Mm. And there's always going to be an audience for the things that you're into. If you're into painting, there's going to be people who like painting the way that you paint. There's going to be people that you can connect to. There's going to be people who are 10 steps ahead of you that you can connect with. And I think it's just so important to find what you're really passionate about and what you really love and go after that and ignore what everybody else is doing and focus on what you're wanting to create. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's kind of like the unlock. Yeah. Like truthfully, that's like the the perspective that, that most of us don't have. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so e- it's obviously like so easy to like see what everybody's doing on social media and say like, man, I can hop on this train and like that would be really popular and I could do that and I could get a lot of eyes on that. But the minute that you make something that goes viral, the minute that you make something that you're not that passionate about and you have all of these eyes and all of these followers on you, now they're expecting you to make another video like that. Now they're right. expecting you to take another photo like that. But if you're not into what that is, then you're going to create something that feels empty to you. And so it's so important to be pursuing what you want to pursue and do the art that you're wanting to make, because eventually if that does take off, people are going to want to see more of the work that you enjoy creating. Right. Um, it, I've, I've had this conversation with a few friends of people who have, you know, had viral moments mm-hmm. and they make things and it just happened to be like something that they just threw together last minute. It wasn't something that they're really excited about, but they, they threw it out on social media or they threw it out somewhere and it went viral And the response from people is, I want to see more of that. And, um, from my friend's end of it, they're like, well, that's not what I'm really into. That's not really what I want to do. And then you find yourself kind of in this like, um, space that you really want to create something else, but you're feeling this pressure to create for other people. Yeah. And that can be really hard. Um, I think it's so important too for people to understand that there's projects that you need to work on that are not going to be all glitz and glam. Yeah. They're not fun, 100%. but they're paying the bill for you to be able to make the project that you're wanting to make, whether that's a short film, a little narrative piece, um, a spec commercial, whatever that may be. Not everybody is working on these like high glamorous jobs. There are so many people, Hollywood actors, directors who are directing commercials that they're not that excited about, but they're doing that so they can fund the project that they're really wanting to do. Mm -hmm. And it's those types of projects that don't define who you are Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's a means to an end for you to be able to create the work that you can define as yourself. Yeah. And I think that's what's, what can be hard about the social media conversation too, is as creatives, it's so easy to just attach ourselves to everything that we put out. Yeah. And think that whether it's social media or whether it's, you know, work that we're not a hundred percent into because we don't feel like it fully represents who we are yeah. and like our essence. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like there's nothing wrong with paying the bills. And equally on social media, there is nothing wrong with I think viewing social media as a tool. Yeah. And as not getting so tied up in the you know, I'm using this to be an expression of myself versus I'm just using it just to be a portfolio. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just don't, they get so tied up and like, I'm not going to put that out because it doesn't represent who I am. But it's like, you don't know what you're not putting out. That could be a great portfolio piece that maybe you don't resonate with hundred percent, but like someone out there wants to hire you. Yeah. If they saw that one thing, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And utilizing social media as a tool is so much more beneficial because you're able to use that as a way for you to get future clients, um, show off the work that you're wanting to make, show off the work that you've done in the past. And you should not spend that time on social media using it as like your place of worth. Um, for me, my worth does not come from the work that I'm creating, whether you wanted to get spiritual or not, but like my worth comes from, something greater than just like what is here. Mm -hmm. And I've had to ask myself that question and reevaluate that constantly. Um, because if you were to take away the opportunity for me to make videos or make films, um, I don't want that to be absolutely crippling to my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and so really asking that question of like where your worth comes from is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, because then you can go out and make those social media posts. Then you can utilize it as a tool and not feel so heavily connected to the aesthetic. And, and there's so much pressure that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if that's making sense, what I'm trying to say. No, totally. Well, it's just the biggest unlock for me recently has been even in, in trying to build this. Like I, I did it on my personal page yeah, as opposed to making a new page for it. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of us who freelance have to make that decision too. Like, are we going to make this like a separate like brand? Yeah. <laughs> are we going to make this like, we're going to attach it to like my name. And I attached it to my name, 
knowing that I was going to make the subconscious decision to primarily use my social media as a tool. Yeah. It is a business. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that I'm going to completely eliminate maybe like having my kids on there every now and then or like, (laughs) you know, my wife or whatever. But, but I, I made the subconscious decision to like, I, I realized, you know, even the last couple of months, like there's, there's people who use social media in in different ways. Yeah. There are some who use it for its original intended purpose. Right. It's just shifted a lot, but its original intended purpose really was to be social. It yeah. was connecting with people. It was sharing people what was going on in your life, like friends and family and whatever. And there are, a, I would still say, a huge group of people who that's primarily still what it is yeah, doing. Yeah, I agree. Then you have the observers. Yep. Who don't post ever, but are just there watching every reel, sending it to their <laughs> friends and family. They're, you know, they, they love the, the entertainment side of it. They love getting entertained. Um, and I think I'll, at some point all of us engage in all of these, but, but primarily they use it as just like a, an observer, you know, observing other people's, admiring other people's work, whatever. Then the next step really is like using it as you start to cross over where you start to also like incorporate your work into it a little bit. Yeah. And as a creative that could be, you know, here's a project I worked on right. or here's this, um, you know, something or, or it's like some of the stuff you've been doing really recently that I've really enjoyed is like almost like reviewing other people's stuff. Like, I think that's oh, yeah. a whole other thing. Like talk, talking about movies that you watched recently yeah. or like films that inspired you. Like that's, first of all, I think that's great content. I think you should keep doing that. Thank you. I, I, think, appreciate that, that. I think there's a huge audience for that. Yeah. And, um, and it puts you in a position, it just feeds into everything. Right. But, um, um, but then there's also the group of people who, and I've had a couple of them recently that I ran into who only see social media as a business tool. It's not even, it doesn't mean that you eliminate the personal aspect right. of it, Yeah. but they show up on social media knowing that it's driving their business forward, not that people are tying their identity to what the content that they're putting out. Yeah. And I just think for me, that was a really big unlock of like, it's okay. It's, it's almost like it's okay to not put out stuff to inform your mom of what you're working on. Right. Cause, cause there's kind of like that pressure of like, I'm going to put <laughs> stuff out there to like show my mom and my friends and my whatever, what I'm working on, or even people who I want to see it to work with in the future or whatever. But I recently saw a, uh, there's a really great, um, Instagram page that I really look up to called inspired to write Um, she's an author and um she just has great content around just creatives and how to really get out of your own way and encouraging people to like put their art out there and it's really just encouraging content but she made this post recently about how whenever she first started the it was started as a blog when she first started like 10 years ago cool and she started putting stuff on social media she actually blocked her husband and all of her family so that she had to, she basically had to uh, allow her, herself the space to put out stuff that was cringe. Cause so yeah. many of us don't put stuff out there because we see it as again, something that like our friends and family are going to see. Cause that's who primarily we've engaged with in the past. Yeah. And so we feel, we feel like we can't like, well, what are they going to think if they see this thing that I'm experimenting on or what are they and so it's almost like you have to, I'm not saying go block everybody, <laughs> but, um, but you have to, you have to allow yourself, whatever that looks like for you, what do you need to do to allow yourself to just start putting stuff out there that's driving your work forward, ultimately what you want to be doing forward and not just informing your already current relationships. Yeah. Like for me, my parents are not on social media. Mm. So that's helpful. Yeah. Um, cause some of the stuff I make, I definitely don't know if I'd want my mom to see it. Yep. Um, but I've had this thought recently of posting everything that you're working on mm. and utilizing social media and different avenues as a tool to talk about what you're working on. Mm. And so for me, I'm using, you know, one platform as a way to kind of cover behind the scenes of how things are done. 
And then on another platform, I'm able to showcase the finished product of what's happening. And then on another platform, I'm able to have more conversations about um, film in general. Mm -hmm. And so YouTube for me has been me breaking down a project that I've shot and going behind the scenes and saying, here's how I did it. I'm doing that with the intentionality of being able to like uh, show people behind the curtain Mm -hmm. and show them that it's not a big shoot. It's nothing special. There's not a lot of stuff that's happening. I might've duct taped something behind the scenes and you thought I did it this way. And so it's really been the avenue for me to be able to showcase to people like, Hey, like you can do this too and encourage them to do that. Um, I've been using threads recently as a way to just like have conversation about film and my thoughts on, um, how things are done and how the industries run and, uh, just talk about movies and film as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Instagram for me has been showcasing the finished products because, um, Instagram has really become like a portfolio. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I don't even know if you need a website. I think if people just find your Instagram, they can, um, see what you're up to, see what you're doing. And as a creative, it's, it's definitely important. So I would just encourage people to post everything. If you feel like it's cringy, just still post it because it's also a good little catalog for you to be able to look back on what you've done. Absolutely. And the best way that you can see how you've grown is to see your past work. And there might be those moments where you're like, Ooh, I really don't want to watch this or I really don't want to see this. But the minute that you can watch it and see it, you realize like, wow, I have grown in this area and this area. And Um, you know, director Ryan Booth mentioned years ago, I like got to watch one of his talks and he had mentioned, um, this idea of stop comparing your work to other people's work and compare your work to your previous work. And when it's, it's a lot easier said than done because we live in this like bubble of like seeing what everybody's doing every moment of the day, but I'll spend time to go back and look at my work and see what I did five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, even last year. Um, and there is a sense of encouragement when I see that work because I'm like, oh, okay, I am getting better. I am growing. I am understanding a little bit more. Um, just the way I lit a scene or shot something or told a story. Um, I might look back on that project and be like, wow, I really butchered it mm-hmm. or I really did a bad job, but now I'm doing so much better. Um, And two, just understanding like the creative journey is that exactly. It's just a journey. Like we're all learning every single day. And even the people in the highest level of the industry are still showing up to set and they're still trying to learn and figure out what they're doing. Um, And when I hear that from other people at all different levels, that is what keeps me going and understanding that like, I don't know everything and there's room for growth. And that's why I just kind of come back to this idea of just trying to become an observer and just soak in as much as I can and understand that I don't know everything and I don't understand everything. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, and I think there's the other piece of that, that I think more of us should be more passionate about is, well, one, there's realizing that right at all levels, we're all dealing with the same stuff. Yeah. But two, what are we doing actively to help other people either one realize that through us? Yep. Or two, actually just like, who are we, you know, who are we, who are we pouring into that? You know, cause it's, it, it, you know, you, you have like your friend Ryan, right? Who he's like, yep. wait, whatever. And to him, he may like feel like you do right now. Right. Yeah. But like there's people, there's people even below you yeah. who like are just getting started or have been doing it for like four or five years, but like maybe haven't been encouraged yet to do spec work or you know whatever yeah. it is. And it's like there's this there's a completely different level of unlock. I feel like whenever you start to shift your focus from like everything that I'm doing to like who am I actually like helping fulfill what they want to do as well. Yeah. And so like equally, like yes, the relationship for Ryan is probably so huge for you yeah but it's probably also really big for him yeah and he maybe would never tell you that he maybe right doesn't realize it in that same way yeah but it's so here's a great example lightning mcqueen okay car i think it's cars three okay i haven't even seen cars three i didn't even know there was a third one (laughs) is there a cars two i would assume there's a cars two two. okay i didn't even know honestly three is the best one i've only seen number one okay so Let's walk through them really quick. 
Okay. It, it's important. Three is the best, by the way. It's the best. It's the be- I think so. Do yeah. I, could I just skip to number three and watch three and, or do I need to watch two? I think you could skip two. They're different enough to where you could skip it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll do it later tonight. Yeah. Do it. Okay. So cars <laughs> one, right? Yeah. Lightning McQueen, this like punk, Big hot shot, punk, hot shot race car. Yeah. You know, and he gets, you know, everything that happens, he ends up in this small town and Doc Hudson, who's a old racer, right? Ends yeah. up being his like mentor, yeah. essentially. Like that's the moral of the story, whatever. Doc helps him. And in, in Cars 1, all you really see is like Doc helping him. You can tell Doc's fulfilled a little bit and that like he's helping this other person, you know, win. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, even though they didn't win, they ended up, you know, he pushes, you know, that older um, guy across the finish line, but he's proud that he actually became a better person, even though he also became a good racer. Anyways. Right. Go watch Cars 1 if you haven't watched Cars 1. <laughs> that was a bad explanation of Cars 1. but You you remember more than me. I I, I don't even know. There's like the pickup truck. I don't even know his name. Mater. Mater. Okay, Mater. yeah. Um, so Cars 2 gets a little weird. It's got like some like spies and like undercover work. Oh, whatever. really? So yeah, I definitely think you could skip two. Three is now lightning is coming up towards the end of his career. Interesting. And racing is kind of changing. Yep. There's like the cars are changing. Okay. The the rookies, he's no longer a rookie, right? So the rookies are now like faster than him <laughs> and whatever. And, and he's got all this like clout and history and he's Lightning McQueen, but now there's this new generation coming. Yeah. So he ends up signing a deal because he's he still is like I'm still a racer, whatever. Signs this deal with this new, um, basically parent company who buys out Rusty's, which Rusty's is okay. was like the old guys that he signed with. That's yeah, like yeah. What, what's all over like his bumper and his hood right. and stuff, whatever. So Rusty's sells to this like huge whatever, and the guy is um, his name's Sterling, the boss, okay. and he's essentially very he's a very business. So like he takes lightning into this thing. He's got like this showroom of all this like memorabilia and like whatever. And, and he gets like a new trainer. And basically the idea is like to take lightning, who's an old race car and, and use all the best technology and the best training to like prove that he's still good because the Sterling, the CEO is essentially like a huge fan of lightning. Okay. Um, so anyways, his trainer is a car named, What's her name? I can't remember her name. Anyway, she's yellow. <laughs> You'll see when you watch it. Okay. <laughs> and the, the, she's the trainer, right? And so she gets assigned to Lightning. And moral of the story is, you know, she's training him, but also like Lightning's having to teach her like these practical things because she's the trainer, but she's never actually raced. Yeah. So she doesn't really know like some of the like on the track stuff and yeah. some of the technical stuff. She knows how to use computers to like analyze speed. Data and, and all whatever. that, yeah. And... um the moral of the story is you, you come up to like the middle point of the movie and you start to realize that lightning is actually kind of mentoring her. And they go to this old town where Doc Hudson used to originally race. Okay. And all of Doc's old racing friends still meet at like this bar. Cool. And um, uh, they go and uh, Doc Hudson's, one of his best friends, takes lightning to like this you know room and it's got all the like newspaper clippings and it's all this stuff of like essentially showing that like he says the super profound line uh, line I, I can't remember off the top of my head but essentially he's saying like you know doc loved racing but he loved coaching you more it's cool and it's like this super profound moment of realizing like doc was a great racer you're a great racer, but like the biggest thing Doc got out of life, like the most exciting thing for Doc was actually helping you be a better racer than it ever was about him being the racer he was back in the day. Yeah. And so you get to the end of the movie. So that's like midpoint end of the movie. Essentially, um, the, the girl racer, the yellow car ends up having to jump in the race to finish the race for lightning. Um, and lightning basically coaches her through like with the headset, like Doc's cool. coach with him and, and he, and she goes on to become a racer or whatever. So, but it's just like, it's so profound. And I think in part of the human experience, 
that's that that storyline is emotional and heart tugging and all of those things because I truly believe that's what we're made for. Yeah. We're made to do life, figure it out, do our best to figure it out. <laughs> not not know all the answers. Yeah. But we're made to experience life and then share that with the next generation and hope that they can then take that, do better than we ever did, conquer the things we couldn't conquer, and then again, and that by doing that, humanity just keeps getting better and better and better. And, and I think that in anything that we're doing, especially as creative work, it's so easy to be so hyper-focused on like what we're doing, yeah. what, what work we're putting out, what work we're working on. But it's like, when is the last time you really looked around and were like, who can I help? Yeah, that is like the, that is one thing that I have focused on so much over the years. I didn't get the opportunity to, um, growing up learning like camera work, I didn't have anybody to teach me that. And so that has been a desire for me to be able to offer that up to other people. And we are here on this earth for one thing and one thing alone. And that is to build relationships and love on the people we're around. And that is why I have tried my hardest. And I hope this is conveyed to people that who I am is the most authentic self. And I try to be as authentic as I can be because I want to be relational with everybody. I want to be able to hang out with people and enjoy the time with them. And I want to be able to offer up something to help people and help them grow in the creative field in any way, shape or form I can. I've had this thought of not being the cool, hip, young guy anymore. And what is it going to look like when I'm 60, 70 years old? What can I then give back to the creative community? And if that is wisdom, then that's what I want to be able to do. If that's a platform for them to be able to shine, that's what I want to do. Um, it's, I don't want to gatekeep the knowledge and things that I've learned over the years, but instead I want to be able to be an open book and share that with anybody and everybody. And that's why I am pretty open about letting people know like where I'm at in my headspace of feeling insecure about projects or not feeling worthy enough to do those projects is because the minute that I can open up about those things, other people can relate to it and they can, um, like see behind the curtain and realize that a lot of us feel that way. Mm. I think in the creative world, we try to put out our best self, um, and showcase our best work and not tell anybody what we learned or what we were going through or what we were dealing with when we were doing it. And then people think that the barrier for entry is so much higher than it really is. Um, I want to be able to break a barrier for people to understand that they can get into what they want to get into. They can do what they're wanting to do. And there's going to be some level of like fear. There's going to be some level of confidence. There's going to be all these mixed emotions, but I just want to be as authentic as I can be to people and share anything and everything. Mm. Um, I don't know how much I know, but if there's something that can be beneficial for somebody, I want to be able to share that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know if that made sense. No, for sure. <laughs> no. I feel like I'm not good at this whole podcast. No, thing. you're doing great. I think I'm talking and then I just like end up not making any sense. So I'm so sorry for people listening right now. No, that's not true at all. Um, I actually think, I actually think that's a really great place to end. Um, and I think we'll have to do this again. Yeah. I definitely would love to go into like the, the practical side of things, but yeah, that now that I could talk about for days, like the actual practicality of like shooting a film, editing, whatever, uh, storyboarding, whatever. I love that stuff. But for me, creativity is one of the most important and valuable things in my life. And I want other people to be able to experience that for themselves. I want them to feel 
excited and passionate about the work that they're making. And I don't want them to feel this pressure of having to perform for other people or worrying about what other people are going to think. I want people to be able to make the work that they want to make because it's valuable and has, um, a place on this earth. Mm. No, it's so good. Um, yeah, man, I thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Um, you've said some really great things and, um, things that I think tr- truly will help a lot of people. Um, cause at the end of the day, like, yes, we can get better in our craft and yes, we can get better in the things that we're working on. But a lot of times the things we need a little bit of push in is just getting out of our own way. Yeah. And that's what I, I definitely think that we accomplished that today. Cool. So thank you for your time. Thank you for doing this. I'm, I'm so pumped for, for Josh and Josh, um, yeah. for what passengers are going to do, but also even just like what the next five to 10 years looks like for you and your career. I think you're thinking about things the right way, you know, like you're going about it the right way and you're being vulnerable and with people and you're, you're, there's no like, like there's a lot of humility, you know, like you're, you're going about it the right way. And so I will, I will make this claim, but like five, 10 years time, I really think people will come back to this conversation and be able to be able to say that, Oh, he's still who he is today is still who he was 10 years ago. That's my biggest hope. I just want people to say that exactly. I I want people to see me for who I am and understand that there's no barrier that I want to have a conversation with you. I want to chat with you. I want to talk creativity. I want to talk anything with you. Um, and I want to talk about the vulnerable moments. I want to talk about the things that irk me. I want to talk about the things that I've dealt with in order to help people understand that they, they can work through those things as well. Yeah. So no, that's good. Again, thanks for your time. Thank you. I, I'm grateful for your friendship, but also a really great, a really big fan of your work. And I I really do think that the, the sky's the limit. And I think a lot of opportunities are going to come your way um, in the next couple of years simply because of the way you're putting yourself out there. And I say that in the sense of like, not that you are putting yourself out there, but like in the way you're presenting yourself in humility and in a way that, you know, you're an observer and a learner and you're vulnerable and it's only a matter of time. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Like it's only that's that's how it works. Like if you put that out there, um, it's only a matter of time. And um, I, again, I'm excited for people to, to come back to this conversation five, 10 years from now and be, be cool. like, oh, I can watch Josh before people knew who he was. You know? <laughs> now, or in five years, they're still like, who is this dude? <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> 10 years go by, they're like, oh, we still don't know who this dude is. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, really, uh, I'm really excited for for what the next, you know, five, 10 years look like for you. Cause I know it's going to be profound. Thank you. Appreciate so, that. Before we go, is there anything you want people to know that you're working on? That's like, you want people to be aware of like, where can they find your work? Where can they follow you? Any of that kind of stuff too? Yeah. I'm doing a lot of my work on like uh, YouTube right now. I mm-hmm. do a lot of like, uh, every project that I'm working on, I do some kind of behind the scenes, um, to hopefully help people, understand how projects are done and, and maybe learn something from that. So yeah, you could find me on YouTube at, I think Josh Balich, um, B A L I C H. <laughs> we'll link it. Oh, sweet. And yeah. then yeah, Instagram on just Joshua dot Um, yeah, those are, I'm really bad at like putting out my work, but I'm trying to get better at it. So YouTube and now is, threads. and now threads I'm on threads. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, so, yeah. So, um, how long do you think threads is going to last? Oh man. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, and I, we can talk about that later. <laughs> I, I, I've enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, I, I'm, I, it came out that that first night. I kind of hopped on there, and it was crazy just to see like how fast it got out of hand. <laughs> it got out, out of hand quick. Yeah. <laughs> like at first, it was like okay, and then you know we were putting stuff out there, and then it was getting like reach, and then it was like the more stuff I started putting out there, it was like 
it grew so fast. Like there, there had to have been millions of people an hour flocking there. I like, think they, I think uh, they said like they had within 24 hours, they had 30 million people sign up for it, which is crazy. It so. is crazy. You could feel it in the sense of like even how it grew pretty quick. Yeah. Like overnight. I tried to utilize the time that like uh, it wasn't that popular yeah. to be able to like communicate with like bigger people Yes, um, for my stuff to like maybe like be seen. <laughs> um, so maybe that's like a little creative tip is wait for the next big thing and hop on as soon as you can and try to get your name out there. I don't know. Did it, it, it work? It, no, it didn't work. <laughs> of course it didn't work. Um, but no, man, I appreciate you doing this and giving me the opportunity to speak and just like ramble on about whatever the heck I'm rambling on about. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Grateful for you. Again, thanks for your time. We will do it again because there's a need for it. And and I think that you're, again, I I just love the way that you approach it and it's about other people. And, and so I think your, your voice is needed. And so um, we will definitely do this again. I'd be excited to be on here again. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, bro. All right.